Hello, Internet, and welcome to Always Right with Jeff and Stephen. Today, we are going to be talking about the religion of the United States of America right after the intro. Uh, hello, Stephen. How's it going? Hello, Jeff. How's it going, bro? Uh, it is all right. Today, um, what's this I hear about us having a religion? I thought we were the United States. We didn't have a religion. Yeah, so that that seems to be the uh, going uh, mentality, the, the going logic, and um, that's wrong. It's always been wrong. Um, you know, you, you and I have, have discussed this at length. We've listened to many commentators on this topic, um, but uh, it is impossible to have a state without a religion and um we have a religion in this state it, it is a a violent and abhorrent religion that has uh killed the old one um and and, and adopts a new skin for its purposes every few years we'll get into that but um yes we, the united states has a religion and uh spoiler alert that religion has people that are out preaching its its uh, gospel uh, on your yeah. behalf, whether you agree with it or not. So today we wanted to talk about kind of how we got here as a society. If you are looking around and you're uh, not really agreeing with everything that um, is going on at the top levels of the federal government, uh, places and, and people outside of your control, um, you know, there is a, a clear and evident path that led us this way. Uh, and we are going to go over that starting at the, the very beginning, our founding. So, um, Stephen, why don't you discuss a little bit? Sure. So uh, America was obviously founded by religious people, um, Puritans, pilgrims. They, these were religious people who were who were seeking religious freedom. They had been persecuted for not going along with the Anglican Church, which is not something that stopped once they got to the, to the U.S., if people will look up the history of the First Amendment, we see that the First Amendment was created because there were state religions. And what we mean by that is we don't mean there was a religion of the United States, but each individual state had its own religion. And um, there, there were, for example, in Massachusetts, there were Baptists who were who were fined and imprisoned for, for various things like that. But um, there's a misunderstanding of this freedom. And there's a misunderstanding of, of the old religion, right? We have the first amendment to our constitution that, that we will not establish a state religion. There will not be a state religion, a, a national religion for the United States, which is what the founders meant. And we're going to get into more of that later. Um, we do have indeed religious liberty, uh, but in doing so that our republic was made for a virtuous, virtuous and moral people that that is, that is what the, the United States was based off of. The United States was never based off of secular, secularism, ever. It was always based for a moral and virtuous people. And you have a few quotes pulled up by some founders and framers, yes? Yes, yeah. So um, I have two quotes from our founders. John Adams said that, uh, and this is one that people I think hear pretty often, is that our Constitution mm -hmm. was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Um, Benjamin Franklin said that only a vi virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need 
of masters. Uh, and finally, he wasn't a founder. He he visited uh, America late into its, uh, I think it was per, maybe 100 years after. I'm not sure when de Tocqueville mm -hmm. came. But Alexander de Tocqueville famously is a Frenchman who visited America, and he was a philosopher and, and, and was impressed um, by some things that he saw. Um, but he, he was quoted as saying that, you know, recognizing that liberty, freedom cannot be established without morality and morality cannot be established without faith. Um, so he tied morality explicitly to religion as anyone yeah. with a couple brain cells will do. Um, well, you know, some people have made an attempt to separate those things. Sam Harris most famously has been trying to go out and uh, promote his secular uh, morality and, and he's trying to come up with secular reasonings for morality. And I've watched every, every debate that I know of that he's done on that. And his arguments always fall short. Um, at, at the end of the day, if you are trying to come up with morality based on secularism, you're going to go down the path that Darwin went down and it's going to be survival of the fittest. And once you get to the point where it's survival of the fittest, then morality is whatever I can do. It, whatever is right to me is right because I am the most fit to do it. And our constitution does not work that way. Our system of government does not work this way. And, you know, when I was looking over those quotes, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. When I think about the things that people say about our system of government, about our constitution, how it's an evil patriarchy, by how it was founded by a bunch of slavers for the purpose of slavery, that statement is ringing more and more true to me every day because none of those things are true. Um, whenever I read that statement, I think of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew chapter 7 when he's talking about the gospel. He says, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will they will trample them under your, their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Um, that's what's happened with our Constitution. That is what's happened with our Bill of Rights. That is what's happened with our system of government. People are turning on us. They are trampling us and they are, they are degradating our system of morality and virtue that comes through our rights, our God-given inalienable rights. Um, those statements are becoming more and more true every day. Yeah, and this was a very small sample of what was available. They all agreed on this. They, yes. There was no yeah. dissent. There was no, there was no philosophical debate over well, what are we to? Who are we to decide what is right? They all no, emphatically yeah. understood there is right and wrong in this world, and what is right is typically what you find in Judeo Christianity, uh, more specifically yeah. Christianity. Christianity, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and they were in complete agreement on this. Uh, and you mentioned, and, and we weren't able to find the specific quotes, but you were mentioned that there were there were several that not only did they say, you know, the church should not, the the, the government should not found a religion, um, services and and access to things should be denied to those who are irreligious. Yeah, so I actually did find those quotes. This came from. Uh, the, the century, you can find this, you can look it up. It's the U.S. congressional documents. It's the debates. It was them. It's the debates that they were having over the, the Bill of Rights. It's the debates they were having over the wording of our Bill of Rights. And people don't realize how specific this was. Jeff, are you there? I'm circling here. I'm here. I, I, you're frozen, but you, I can hear you. There we go. Well, then I'll keep going if you can hear me. Uh, they were very specific on their wording. And so when it came... Oh, there he goes. 
Well, um, I, I'm going to riff a little bit. He he does have some stuff pulled up that he's going to go with. Okay, uh, Stephen, are you there? Yeah, I guess I guess my computer was just being overworked with all the all right. material. That I would I, have I would up. love to hear about what you found. Uh, so this is a, a big debate that Sam Huntington and uh, James Madison were having. Now, we might not know the name Sam Huntington as well. He is one of the framers of our Bill of Rights, but we know the name James Madison, right? Uh, and so they were arguing over the, the, the establishment of religion clause. And James Madison said he, he apprehended the meaning of the words to be that Congress should not establish a religion and enforce the legal observation of it by law, nor compel men to worship God in any manner contrary to their conscience. So he's saying, you know, we're, we're putting this in here because we don't think that you should by law be able to, to follow a certain sect of Christianity, not, not any religion at all. Um, so when it came to Mr. Huntington, Sam Huntington, this is the next thing he talked about. He said he feared with the gentleman up in the first subject, and he was referencing Mr. Sylvester, who was the first person to speak. He said he had some doubts of the proprietary of the mode of expression used in this paragraph. He apprehended that it would be liable, and he feared that it might be thought to have a tendency to abolish religion altogether. So they had this massive debate because they were concerned that the, the meaning of the First Amendment would people take it would mean, oh, well, I don't have to have a religion. And that's not what they wanted. The, the framers and founders of our country expected people to be religious. So going back to Sam Huntington, he said, by the charter of Rhode Island, no religion should be established by law. He could give a history of the effects of such regulation. He goes on, on to say, he said, indeed, the people were now uh, enjoying the blessed fruits of it. He hoped, therefore, to the amendment would be made in such a way as to secure the rights of conscience and a free exercise of rights of religion, but not to patronize those who professed no religion at all. And that was something that everybody there agreed with. They didn't want people to read the First Amendment and go, oh, well, I have a right to, to my religion or I have a right to no religion. They're like, no, you are to be religious. That was the expectation of an American, that you were to be religious, and they didn't want to patronize the very idea that they didn't have to be religious. That was unheard yeah. of. Fast forward to the, the you know 2010s, and you have florists in Oregon being arrested because they won't cater to the anti-religious. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so... Where where did we where did the the train start to go off the track? Well, I would say there, because the fear that Sam mm -hmm. Huntington and many other founders did it had did come to pass. We became anti-religious in our efforts to not establish a state religion, quote unquote. Um, so, I mean, because we don't know our history. Um, and because there are bad actors among us who, even if they knew the history, they would act to circumvent it. Um, we did because, I mean, that prophecy came true. We, we are anti-religious because of it. Um, so, and what is the weapon that they have chosen to wield against the religious uh, we have a separation of church and state. That is what they say over and over and over. Read our Constitution, read our Bill of Rights, and find the phrase uh, separation of church and state. You're not going to do it. But here, this is a video by Dr. Dave Miller. I have several of his books on my, my shelf over here. Um, he is a fantastic gospel preacher, and he's a fantastic researcher. Uh, and he has done a great deal of research into the religious 
the religious beginnings of our country, the, the religiosity of our founders and some of the concerns that they had. And so this phrase separation of church and state actually came from a concern. He's going to explain it for us. Interestingly enough, the phrase separation of church and state, which was quoted by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1947, actually harks back to a private letter that was written, in fact, it was dated January 1st, 1802, written by then U.S. President Thomas Jefferson. Now, we're talking a quarter of a century after the commencement of the founding of our country and the Declaration of Independence. But why was he writing a, a private piece of correspondence? Well, he had received a letter, and he was responding to those who wrote in that letter. Those who wrote in the letter were representatives of the Danbury Baptists Association. And if you read the letter that they wrote, while complimenting Thomas Jefferson, commending him, congratulating him on having ascended to what could arguably be considered the highest political office in the land, the U.S. president, they nevertheless expressed in that letter concern. Because you see Thomas Jefferson among the founders... Thomas Jefferson, along with a handful of others, would be considered the least religious among the founders. Uh, there were questions about Jefferson's uh, commitment to Christianity specifically and his views about the deity of Christ. So they were concerned that perhaps now that he was in the highest executive office of the land, that he might in some form or fashion interfere with their perceived right to pursue Christianity according to their own interpretations. Well, Thomas Jefferson wrote back to these individuals, and notice in that response to these Baptists, among other things, Jefferson made this statement, believing with you that religion is a matter which lies between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should, notice, quote, make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. There's a direct reference to the First Amendment of the Constitution thus building a wall of separation between church and state. The phrase separation of church and state was never meant to keep uh, religion out of the government. It was only meant to keep the government out of religion. These people were worshipers of God. Thomas Jefferson attended worship services at uh, buildings at our state, at our country's capital. In Washington, D.C., they had worship services in the U.S. Treasury Building. They had worship services in the, the House of Congress using the Speaker of the House's lectern as a pulpit. It was not uncommon to have worship services in our government buildings. But yet people think that that phrase means that, oh, we're supposed to keep uh, religion out of the government. No, it's just the opposite. You keep gov government out of religion, but you need religion in the government. Yeah, I mean, it and again, that those quotes that I took were just a sample. 
Georgia Washington had plenty to say on this. Alexander Hamilton, uh, James Madison, and Benjamin Franklin. We saw they all, Patrick Henry had some great quotes in there as well. Mm -hmm. They all had mm -hmm. so much to say about this. Um, the, and, and because, and I, I'm learning more and more, I'm reading a, a fascinating book right now called, uh, why liberalism failed by, um, Patrick Deneen and okay. it, and it's, and it is sort of, uh, centered around this basis of liberty requires virtue. Um, yes. Yeah, and and I would say that the degradation in our society that we see, um, and I would not be the first to say, uh, is because one, uh, there are people who are anti-liberal who as who have acted as bad actors intentionally to destroy what we have, but more importantly, um, not only do we understand this, you know, separation of church and state, people don't understand the word liberty. Um, no. They, so liberty historically, and, and I'm learning this from this book, is um, historically, but until we're going to go through a timeline here, until right around the 1950s, liberty meant freedom from kind of a biblical interpretation of liberty, freedom from sin, freedom from mm -hmm. depravity, uh, self-control over yourself, only in exercising self-control am i free do i have liberty um freedom from vice and, right and mm -hmm. that every this was the common understanding of liberty liberty required discipline it required virtue as we're talking about it, it like it required uh you know an advancement and a social conscience and mm -hmm. um what we have today is this flip of that definition in that liberty means that I am allowed to do what I please, my most depraved desires, fulfill my most depraved desires without recourse or judgment. Um, and it's just not the whole point of liberty originally was so that you would not receive judgment. That would, that right. was the purpose of the word liberty. And I mean, that that's James one twenty five right there. Uh, that's James right. two twelve right there. And so that where that clip came from, um, uh, Dr. Dave Miller's speech, separation of church and state. I would, I would advise everybody to look that up on YouTube. He has a, a book to go with it. It's called uh, the silencing of God. Uh, the Dismantling of America's Christian Heritage. He wrote this as well. It's fantastic. He wrote, I have several books here that he did. Because the point is, is people don't understand how religious our founding fathers were. He talked about TJ there. TJ got a, gets a bad rap because they say that, well, Thomas Jefferson was a deist. He really, he, he didn't believe in God. That's not true. Um, well, they go, well, what about the Thomas Jefferson Bible? Well, which one? He, he has a, he has a couple different ones. And People need to understand why the Thomas Jefferson Bible exists. They say they say they claim that the Thomas Jefferson Bible takes out all the miraculous because he didn't believe in the miracles that Jesus performed. That's not true at all. Uh, the first edition of Thomas Jefferson's Bible, which came around in the 1800s, he did take out the miraculous. He did take out the supernatural, but it was only at the advice of people who knew the natives because he was trying to write a Bible. He was trying to give them a copy of the Bible where they would convert to Christianity, and they said that's. That's it's not something they're going to catch on to. So you start with something else and then you can teach them about the miracles. And so that's why he did it. It's not because he was irreligious, it's not because he was a deist and he didn't believe in God. It's because he was trying to teach Native Americans. And, you know, the founder of our country, George Washington, 
Next month is Thanksgiving. What were you taught about Thanksgiving growing up? Why why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Uh, I was taught about the the first Thanksgiving, Puritans and Indians. Yeah, that, that's why we celebrate Thanksgiving. The, the pilgrims and the Indians, they come together and they, they had this feast and they had all these foods. That was not the first Thanksgiving proclamation. That That is what was decided to be recognized at Thanksgiving in the early 20th century whenever it became a national holiday. However, we as Americans celebrated Thanksgiving long before that. This is the first Thanksgiving proclamation from 1789 by President George Washington. He says, This is the opening line, and I really want y'all to listen to this. This came straight from mountvernon.org. By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both Houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness." That is, well, I would say it's the first paragraph. That's actually one sentence. Everything that I just read is one sentence. He said that both houses of Congress, both House representatives and the Senate, came together and asked him to set aside a day for people to thank God for the founding of their government. That is why we were to celebrate Thanksgiving. That is the first Thanksgiving proclamation. And, it's and yet a better it's reason. bastardized and watered down. Over the years, yeah, it's a better reason. Um, but you know, they, they, the the skeptics, the critics will tell you, oh, well, the Constitution doesn't ever use the word God. Yeah, go read it again. He's there. It might not use the word God, but he's there. You can't tell me that somebody that wrote what we just read didn't believe in God and yeah, wasn't I mean, referencing they, they God whenever the they wrote Big C Creator. Yeah. They didn't put it in the Bill of Rights, but they put it in the Declaration. They put it in the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, like there's. There was no debate over this, over that he should be there. Mm-hmm. There was absolutely no debate. Um, so that we did have a religion, and it was the good one. Yes. Um, we, that we, is the we religion were, of old that we were. Yeah, we we were a religious nation. Uh, we were a Christian nation, um, and and that was the source of our strength um a a virtuous people liberty requires a virtuous people um and it is no surprise that as our culture degrades so too do your freedoms um and so when did this really start to turn um dr miller mentioned a a a 1942 case i think it was Mm -hmm. um i don't have it actually in my notes but um my notes start in 1950, but that case, I did look it up. That is where the Supreme Court decided that the um, the forbiddens on the state, uh, the, the government establishing a religion did not apply just to the federal government, but it applied to the state governments as well. Because um, up to that then, point, it had not. Before they, then, there were states had, that had government. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it had religion. Either, they had, they had state-sponsored religion. 
either an explicit, you know, denomination of Christianity mm -hmm. or um, a a form of government that clearly favored certain denominations. Um, yeah. And and it's that 1942 case where that was overturned as un unconstitutional. Um, you can argue about the, the, the benefits or, or drawbacks of that. I, well, I have a quote for that. Um, I, I can tell you what our founders thought. I can tell you about the people who wrote the bill of rights and what they sure. thought. Um, whenever they were debating this topic, Mr. Madison, we were talking about Sam Huntington and James Madison having this conversation about the first amendment. He said, uh, it says James Madison thought if the word national was inserted before religion, it would satisfy the minds of honorable gentlemen. He believed that the people feared one sect might obtain a preeminence or two combined together and establish a religion to which they would compel others to conform. He thought if the word national was introduced, it would point the got to go to the next page. Sorry. It would point the amendment directly to the object it was intended to prevent. So, I mean, that they were concerned about one denomination taking over, but they were only worried about that at the national level. <laughs> they weren't worried right. about that at the state level. Well, yeah, and it also harkens back to this idea that states were intended to be experiment grounds. Yes. Um, you know, if you have a Catholic state, which was unheard of back then because Americans hated Catholics, but um, yeah, no, that's they were mm -mm, they were trying to get had a Puritan state and a, and a Presbyterian state. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe one could do better than the other, and the source of that better doing could be traced back to their religion, so that other states could see and maybe adopt and adapt. And um, yeah, so th there's some discussion to be had there, uh, obviously. But th this is a landmark. This is a a major turning point mm -hmm. in. Um, the the way we are ruled by our federal government, uh, and and it, it just it continues apace from there. It, the 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 decisions yeah. like this is one that we can maybe debate. The decisions progress from there, often from the Supreme Court, sometimes uh, uh, not, um, but the, they progress from there. They get more and more radical, and they get less and less open for debate. And but that that is I would say that's the that's the start. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we um, from a political level, we talk about the start of the end, the beginning of the end back in so, so kind of the 19 teens with Woodrow Wilson. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes like from a cultural standpoint, um, you really have the federal government intruding starting in the 1940s. It so, was the introduction of postmodernism by our elites and betters. Uh, postmodernism started to become a thing in 1940, and it really was taken off by the 50s. And that's that's really where it all came from. Is you yeah. know we can't have a state religion, we can't have a telling us do this thing because this the the cultural betters believed in your truth versus my truth, and they stopped believing in. Yeah, the, this the this truth. sort of yeah this sort of acquiescence to. Who am I to decide what is true for mm -hmm. someone else? Who am I to decide what religion is the best to base our government on? Um, we had already figured this out. Christ mm -hmm. To anyone listening, Christianity is the best religion to base your state of government on. Period. I would even go so far as to say at the expense of individual liberty. Because... 
you the the in the the Christian that is a slave to the government is better off than the uh, the heathen that is a slave only to himself and his sin. Um, yeah. So, but this is where we people start calling us theocratic, and that's fine. You want to call me a theocrat? Theocrat? I don't care. Like uh, I know Christianity is better than any other option. So if if that makes me a theocrat, so be it. Um, but it the downfall when historians look back on a hundred years. Maybe, maybe less, maybe more. Who knows? But whenever they look back on the downfall of the United States, the downfall of the Republic, it will be this postmodernism that started in the 40s, really grew in the 50s, that resulted to this rampant individuality that has destroyed Americans and destroyed right. American families yeah, so and destroyed our institutions. Let, let's let's talk about that because we talk about how Christianity is the old old state religion, and it's it's no longer mm-hmm. the state religion. That is done. That's gone. It's not coming back. Um, what is the new religion? How do, what do, and I would say, and you could say that we've had many since then. I would say that we have what had one and it has adopted new skins several times in our history. Okay. So I would say the one religion has many names. Uh, secularism would be the most general. Communism mm-hmm. would be a very good one because many of the evil forces trying to bring down American society are, trying to achieve a communist revolution. Um, yeah. Uh, and after a certain point in the 60s, it started adapt. It started adopting social popular um, sects as mm. their mascots. So okay. uh, it would go with black power, free love, and then you would go to okay the here gay gay rights was a big one and and w- women's rights started much 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 sooner in the 20s um, but they but, eventually co-opted women's rights to their, own, co-opted. To, to their own demise yeah yeah now now it is the single religion that adopts a new mascot every now and then um until you get to the uh, absolute bottom of the depraved barrel where we are now um, and the transgender movement. You know, I'd like to push back on you, but I can't. I mean, I, I can't. I, it's it's pretty spot on everything that you're saying. Uh, that it it started, in my opinion, with postmodernism, and the root of it is postmodernism. That that your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. There cannot be any absolutes. I would say that's the root of it, but it it has tentacled into almost every part of American life. Yeah, and you can see it in the history of, uh, again, our government's decisions. Every time they get away from this idea that Christianity is the better religion, anytime they go against that idea, that's the next step in the uh, in the sequence that leads us to where we mm. are now. So like we said, uh, you know, um, the 1942 Supreme Court decision leads into 1950. Uh, you brought this to my attention where we, um, you know, the National Science Foundation is promoting the teaching of evolution in school. Um, Before that, to- creationism was what was taught. The, the Bible was taught in schools. And, and right. since then, uh, states like Tennessee have tried to tried to make it to where at least creationism can be taught as an option. Yeah. How, how, foreign, how foreign of an idea is it that you crack open a Bible in your public school for for yeah. teaching purposes. Um, yeah. 
So after 1950, um, in 1962, they started disallowing school, uh, school sponsored prayer. Um, in 1963, they disallowed school sponsored teaching of the Bible, which we just discussed. Mm -hmm. So 13 years between introducing evolution and getting rid of the Bible altogether. Um, not an accident. Yep. 1965, this is sort of getting out into the culture, not just in government-run schools, but 1965, uh, the uh, Griswold versus Connecticut Supreme Court overturned laws banning birth control, the birth control pill, uh, in uh, specifically for married couples. So yeah, before yeah, that, then, that's the thing. Like birth state, control was a thing before that, but it was only for married couples. You had well, no, no, before only married then, couples. So the birth control pill was created in 1960, but there were a number of states that banned its use for everyone. Yes. Yes, uh, yes, and then yes. in 1965, the Supreme Court said to all of those states, you have to at least let married couples get it. Okay. Like Nobody could yes. get it. Let's say it, Mississippi was probably one of them. But nobody sure. could get it in Mississippi. Until 1965, the Supreme Court said, Mississippi, you have to let married couples get the birth control pill. Okay. Um, in 1968, uh, you have not only is it encouraged to teach evolution, but now Arkansas in 1968, due to Epperson versus Arkansas, is no longer allowed to forbid the teaching of evolution. They you have, have to allow yeah. it. You have to allow um, it. They are forbidden, again, from teaching creationism. Because the Bible has been, has been uh, taken out because of Abington mm -hmm. School District versus Shemp in 1963. Um, mm -hmm. so forbidden from using the Bible cannot forbid the teaching of evolution. Which one are you going to teach? Cause you can't teach yeah. creationism. What are you going to teach? Um, 1969 first no fault divorce law is signed into practice by Ronald Reagan in California. Uh, he governor, democratic governor at the time, right? He was not yet a so. Republican. I think so. He went on later to say that it was the worst decision he had ever made. Um, Absolutely. And, and uh, prior to this, reasons for divorce were the three A's, abuse, abandonment, and adultery. Um, but yeah. after that, that's when, uh, what is it, irreconcilable differences come in. Uh, this is a land, this is a landmark decision. And it, it, it really is a, like, we're, we're seeing nothing but turning points, but this is a real big one. It, uh, it degraded marriage it, in the United States. This is the big first degradation of the family like yeah. before before this it was very difficult to get divorced and it was still fairly common like we talk about this as if it's a bad thing but it's not shotgun weddings were common they worked they if worked. you knocked a girl I mean, up it, it worked for society her. yeah if you knocked a yeah. girl up you married her by and large um yeah. and with the advent of birth control and no mm -hmm. fault divorce, you not uh, in in two decisions. You have first of all taken the conse uh, consequences away from sex, and you have mm -hmm. uh, you have degraded the meaning of marriage. This yep. is the end of this is where your your you know people just stop getting married. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, this is where it starts. Where half of pe all people who have been married have been divorced as well, but then. Beyond that, the logical conclusion is people just stop getting married altogether, which um, is where we are now. Like yeah. divorce rates are actually below fifty percent for the first time in a long time, but that's because people aren't getting married, right? 
So after 1969, the no-fault divorce, in 1972, um, they went from saying, okay, you have to allow married people to get the birth control pill to now you have to allow everyone, everyone. to get it. So this is where you really like, so not only is Mississippi now required to let married people get the birth control, mm-hmm. they're allowed to let everyone get the birth control. They, they're required to let everyone get the birth control bill. Um, our, immediately after that, the next year, 1973 is Roe v. Wade. So not mm-hmm. only are you now taking away the consequences of sex, should you get pregnant, you now have to allow within the first trimester someone to have the option of aborting their baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was kind of the crowning achievement of yeah. that big string of secular uh, secularism. But they weren't done. From mm-hmm. 1973 to 1992, you don't have a lot of consequences. But in 1992, they further expand on Roe v. v. Wade with Planned Parenthood versus Casey. This is not something that people know a lot about. Planned Parenthood forbade states from preventing someone to get an abortion within the first trimester. That still left a lot of wiggle room. That still left a lot of mm-hmm. uh, you know, power with the states to limit abortion. Planned Parenthood versus Casey is very general and vague and said that you cannot uh, pose a um, you cannot uh, an unreasonable limitation on someone's ability to get That's an right. abortion. You cannot put an unreasonable, and that's the ambiguous undue, language. Undue burden. The, undue yeah, burden. Undue, undue burden clause. Yeah. Uh, the undue burden clause is, is what they use to to allow abortion up to the point of death. Uh, and, to, up to the point of birth, yeah. which is what and is going on. White supremacists everywhere rejoice because this was the beginning of the black genocide known as Planned mm-hmm. Parenthood. Um, yep. It wasn't the beginning of Planned Parenthood, but it was... It was their heyday. You know, there are certain statistics no one wants to talk about that it's verboten to bring up. And one of those is the fact that more black babies are aborted every year than are born in New York City. And and I know New York City is not the only large metropolitan area that's true, but that's the one that tracks the data the best. So it's the easiest one to point to. Year after year after year, more black babies are aborted than born in New York City. Yep. So... We talked about and, this with the growth. I, w- I told you I was shocked that the Latino population in the United States was something like 17 or 19 percent, something like that, and that the African-American population was 13 percent. And I was like, I don't understand how there are more Latinos in the country than there are African-Americans. African-Americans have been here for so long compared to Latinos. And it's because, by and large, Latinos are religious. By and large, and they, are Catholic. Resist- they don't yeah, believe in abortion. Right. They don't believe in birth control. And therefore, they're reproducing at much right. higher rates. They are and and it's just something I never thought about. Yeah, they're resistant to this convenience that comes along with the government's intervention. Um, and then again, you have another quiet period because crowning achievement, we made abortion even easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a long time, people continue to hold the belief that marriage which, between one man and one woman uh, until shortly after 2008. And our next landmark Supreme Court that led to the degradation of culture in our society is, of course, Obergefell versus Hodges mm-hmm. in 2017, which forced, again, we saw it with the birth control pill, forced states to allow two men or two women to get married. Um, according so to let's their- talk about this for a second. 
you told me something this past week that um, I bucked at it first, but then I thought about it more this past week. And you told me that the phrase made famous by um, not Dennis Prager, but made famous by Andrew Breitbart, that culture is downstream from politics. Sorry, politics is yeah, yeah, no, yeah, culture is politics you know, is downstream from culture. downstream culture from culture leads to politics. Yeah. I think I think that's it. That's right. Culture, Got yeah, up, politics right. is downstream from culture. <laughs> you are right. You are right. You can look it up if you want to, but uh, politics is downstream from culture. You told me that that phrase was a lie, and I pushed back on that a lot because a lot of the people that uh, I listen to and follow on whatever social media devices you are, they really live by that. And the case that you pointed to was Obergefell, and I was like, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, if you look at polls pre-2008 about what marriage is, the vast majority of Americans, you can look at R's, you can look at D's, you can look at I's, all of them by majority said that marriage was between one man and one woman. And now you look at what it says now and all the Democrats think that anybody can get married. And even many more Republicans believe that anybody can get married. And it all circles around that. So it wasn't the fact that the, the politics followed the culture, it's that the politics forced the culture to change. And yeah. that's something and, we have and, to look out for. Yeah. Right. So, Jeff, and, one of the common rebuttals to all the stats that you just brought up, all the all the cases that you brought up, is well, you can't legislate morality. You you can't force morality on people. What would you me. say to that? Uh, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, well, uh, one one of the things that I say is, then why is murder illegal? Why make anything illegal if you can't legislate morality? Well, What's I mean, the purpose my, of laws if you cannot legislate actual, morality? my actual response would be to look at all of the cases I just like they are, those cases are legislating morality. They're just not legislating my morality. That's it. They're, they're so, legislating the morality of the new religion instead of the old religion. Yeah. They're not legislating your morality. So, it, I mean, if, if someone's morality, someone's morality is going to be legislated period. That is a false statement that you cannot legislate morality. Every decision your government makes is legislating a morality. You better make sure that it's yours. Yeah. The the yeah. this is this is a statement on the right. It is not a statement on the left. People do not do not even pretend to believe this on the left. And it is because the left has been legislating morality for 70 years. Their morality. They they see. We don't give liberals enough credit. Leftists, rather. I wouldn't say liberals. I would say leftists. We don't give leftists enough credit. They know how to play the power game. They get the power. They use the power to legislate what they want to happen. And they are destroying the culture. And so we have a whole bunch of stats. Do you want to read those? You want me to read them? Uh, go for it. I went through those. So as a result of all of these moral changes to our society. This is what you have gotten. Please feel free to look up these statistics on your own. These are some that I've compiled. Um, teen pregnancy is up in every age category. Every single age of a teenager is up since these have been legislated. STDs from ages 10 to 14 is up over 300%. Birth rate for 15 to 19 to 14. Year old. So I'm, I'm going to pause yeah. on that one. STDs in ages 10 to 14 preteens to uh, young over teenagers. 300%. Go for it. I'm sorry. Um, birth rate for 15 to 19 year olds up over 200%. Yeah. 
pregnancies for the same age up over 500%. What, what, Jeff, how can pregnancies be up 500% but birth rate be up only 200%? Because they're killing their babies. Because they're killing babies because of abortion. They're, they're killing all these babies. Out of wedlock births has been up every single year. 43% of kids who come home to one parent now, which that was not the case in the 60s and previous. Uh, Thank you, Shotgun. I mean, you, you want yeah, shotgun weddings. And and shotgun weddings worked. It was better for society. Whether you agree with it or not, it was better it's for not, society. It's not the best option, but it's better no. than single parenthood. That's absolutely right. Uh, unmarried couples living together are up 725% since 1963. Violent crimes in the U.S. are up 995% since 1963. I need to double check that. I think it's even higher. From when I collected all this, I think that's even higher. Um, suicide in youth is up over 250%. It used to be the 12th leading cause of death. It is now up to the third leading cause of death in our youth. Suicide. Uh, child abuse is up 2,300%. That's 2,300%. Illegal drug use is up over 6,000%. The but family. yet you can't legislate morality. The family is a microcosm of God's model for the church. And Ephesians 5, 23 through the end of the chapter. Go read it. <laughs> and every decision that we talked about was a step toward degrading the family unit. It is the, the family unit is the, the best. It should be the first. It is now the last defense between you and the barbarian hordes. It is it is what insulates people. It, it is why people who have families are more likely to vote conservative because people who have families yes. are more vested in preserving their country. And it is also why they've degraded the family because they realize that you are more likely to vote for them if you don't have skin in the game. Um, you're being that skin being your family. Um, and every decision they have made they have legislated their morality and it has been the sole purpose of it has been to kill the family this is why you're seeing the what you're seeing with the latinos because they are so very family focused like yes they're catholics I, i've met several who aren't good catholics i wouldn't say that that's <laughs> that's the key factor the key factor is because they are so tight-knit um yeah yeah as a family unit. And so what the problem that conservatives have faced up to this point, and they've got to stop caring is that anytime we fight back against a cultural change, we'll, we'll say, well, what's going to stop you here? You know, we don't, but, uh, let's take a Beaujefield because that's something that's happened in our lifetime, right? We would tell people we don't want this because marriage is between one man and one woman. And what stops them from making it to, to anyone else? What makes it to, to stop it from bestiality? What makes them from stop making laws that people can marry children? And, and the liberals will go, Oh no, you're talking, that's a slippery slope. You're using the slippery slope fallacy. It's not a slippery slope fallacy if it comes true. In yeah, every I, single I, one of the cases that we have talked about, it has led to worse degradation every, every time, single yeah. time. Every time you have something weird and prave come out, I have a, a Twitter follow that I uh, that I like that he says slippery slope remains the undefeated champion. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, it still works for on, on conservatives for some reason. Okay, say that I'm stupid. I don't care. Say that I'm worried about a fallacy and that my, my, my logic is unreasonable. I don't care. I'm right. I got the book on my side. I'm right. You're wrong. There is truth. There is falsehood. You're promoting a falsehood. I'm promoting truth. And it has led to a worse society. And so the, the next the next stuff is all this gender nonsense, right? Everything right. that we've so, talked about up to this point has stopped before gender. But we're about to get to the gender nonsense and that becoming not just legal, but because it already is legal, but being promoted across our culture. That is the next big step. That's the next crowning achievement that they're going for is to promote this this gender nonconformity to our young people and absolutely decimate our it is, people, it our is the ultimate our victory. republic. It mm -hmm. is the ultimate victory because if you convince your children of this madness, if you have parents working to help convince their children of this, I have such disdain for those people. Um then you are you are creating a broken person and a yes. broken person is a resource for the left yeah. a broken, broken person is a dependent person Democrat. on the government yeah. yes yeah um and and that is the purpose that is the cynical obscene purpose the purpose of for the doctors is to make money we've already discussed that before um and so this is the new skin that I talked about that again, it's the same religion. It is a religion of communism. Uh, it is a religion of secularism, depravity and destruction. That is the religion. And this is simply the new skin. The priests mm -hmm. have changed and, and now are now wearing new robes. Um, well, that, instead that, of a rainbow, now it's all those ugly colors that come along with it too, the browns and the grays. Right. And have you seen the transgender flag? It's hideous. Yeah. So, it's hideous. and, and this is this is prevalent in your uh, your churches. Uh, this is prevalent in your business, your capitalist enterprises. This is prevalent at every and and what we're talking about today. We should have another episode where we go into unfettered capitalism because I'm starting to really um, change my outlook on that. But um, what we're talking about today is the government. This lie that there is no religion in the government. I, this is the religion, and this religion has evangelists um, that you're footing the bill for. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us about this first um, story that you have here. Uh, so uh, the Heritage Foundation, they, the Heritage.org, they, they recently posted an article about how Biden is destroying our readiness by allowing transgender individuals in the military. Uh, it was a big debate whenever Trump was in office that transgender individuals could not be in the military. It disqualified them from service. Uh, uh, hot take here. You are not owed the right to participate in our military. That, there's not a right to be in the military. That That is not a thing. Um, and so he is not only allowing transgender people in the military, which you don't allow transgender people in the military for the same reason you don't let diabetics in the military. They are a hazard. They are a risk to military readiness. But there's a quote, if you scroll down a little bit more, um, 
Uh, I think it's that first paragraph there under Joe Biden's uh, under President Biden's new policy. Individuals who identify as transgender and have been diagnosed with gender dysphoria will not only be allowed to serve in the U.S. military, but will have their gender transitions paid for by American taxpayers. You are now paying for Joe to become Jane. So what type of incentives are we creating for the next generation of soldiers now? I want you to think about the type of person that you're now putting into our U.S. military. While China is, is making uh, commercials and promoting manhood and promoting masculinity and promoting being a, an alpha male who can go on and take on the world, we're letting he, she's in the military. And paying for them to have these surgeries and be on all these drugs and to not be ready for combat. That's what we are doing. Um, another Twitter person I follow often said, will point out things like this and say that we are going to lose a major war. Yeah. And America is not ready for that. You, you are not like, um, and this is all, all the credit for these ideas goes to Jesse Kelly, who talks about this a lot. Um, but mm -hmm. we are not ready to see an aircraft carrier at the bottom of the Pacific, like filled with thousands of dead Navy men. Yeah. Because we're, we're allowing this nonsense to permeate our culture and to get into our, but every aspect of our government, but it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. If, if this is what you're allowing in our military, it's coming. You are hampering our military readiness. You are and making the United States no longer a superpower. It will be on the scale of a Pearl Harbor or nine 11, and do you think that either the current administration or even a Republican that comes after him will have it in them to do it, to announce a war? Even if they do, let's say somebody like Ron DeSantis. I mean, I think Ron DeSantis is like, we got to go punch him in the nose. Um, sure. I, I don't think Donald Trump would, would do that, would say that that's, he abhors like war. Um, so let's say it's Ron DeSantis and let's say he does say that. Do you think we have the wherewithal in our military to actually pull it off? Because it, it, worse than doing nothing, question. because worse than doing nothing in this situation, which would be bad, would be to do something and get whooped twice. Get yeah, and get beat. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a serious question. I mean, you know, everybody talked about how Obama decimated our military because he didn't fund it properly. Uh, this is a different level of the dismantling of the American superpower that is our soldiers. Yeah. Obama didn't dismantle our military. He, he did damage to our military and he dismantled it, but not because he underfunded it. He undermined the, all of the people that Obama put in place in the upper echelons of the military are still there. And they yeah. are actively, yeah. they, they they are actively yeah. getting rid of the people that you want defending you and actively promoting the, uh, the enlistment of people that you do not want between you and the bad guy. You know, you brought up Donald Trump and him probably not being willing to, to go to war. He did a very good job with ISIS, but there's a big difference between fighting seventh century barbarians in the Middle East and dealing with China and Russia. Somebody's going to have to be willing to do it because yeah. it's coming. And he's no fan of China, so I think he'd be tempted, but 
I I don't know. I, it, it's it's a troubling. I, I, foreign policy is the thing I know probably the least about, but it's it's worrisome. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of foreign policy, uh, this is not the military. This is your State Department. Um, and this is what I mean by the government's religion has evangelists. You, a proud American taxpayer, are funding drag shows in Ecuador. Uh, so I, I don't have words. I mean, I, I just I don't have words. One. OK, let me let me try to create some words. That's what we're here for. It's a podcast. How dare you do that to the American flag? Our flag has symbolism. Our flag has meaning. That red is supposed to symbolize the blood that was shed for the American freedom. How dare you? That is ridiculous. White is supposed to be the purity of our virtue and our morals and living up to the standard that we created all those years ago. Blue is for valor. I, how dare you mess with the American flag? Like, and I feel this way. We live in the deep South. We live in Mississippi. I feel this way whenever I see people um, uh, uh, cannibalize the American flag with the Confederate flag, right? It'll be like half American flag, half Confederate flag. I hate that. I hate that. Flags have meanings. Don't mess it up. Oh, get used to it because it's going to be the thumbnail. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this week, Fox News revealed that United States taxpayers have been funding drag shows in Ecuador to promote diversity and inclusion efforts via the State Department. They are uh, they issued a twenty thousand dollar grant to a nonprofit CEN. Um, be the money will be used for three workshops, twelve drag theater performances, and a two minute documentary, according to the grant's description. We're the promoting. Perverts to Ecuador because that's what Ecuadorians need, right? They need American perverts. Yeah. Um, this is the religion, and it is not just being forced down upon you from the federal government, it is being exported mm -hmm. across the world. The, the we, United, we used to be the, the world leaders, we used to be the world leaders in Christian missionaries sent across the world. I would not be surprised if we're now the world leaders in sending this perversion to every part of the globe. The United States is not the virtuous bastion it needs to be. In fact, it is pro actively promoting the the uh, opposite. It mm -hmm. is you are you are taking this madness that we are trying to exercise at home, exorcise, um, and promoting it in places that probably don't have it in great spades and probably don't want it in great spades. Um, Certainly don't need it. I mean, you look at things yeah. going on in Ecuador. That's the last thing they need. Like, you know, we, we don't, we shouldn't be spending money elsewhere for a lot of things, especially not this. Yeah. Um, and, and there's something you said in your statement before we started this whole segment that I really wish I, I could have been able to push back on. You said it's coming for your schools. It's coming for your government. It's you said it's coming for your churches. Well, Jeff, I have my Bible here. The, the Bible clearly states that this is a perversion. It clearly states that this is a sin. It clearly states in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 that the people who practice things like these will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is certainly not going to get into my churches, is it? 
except they now have drag queen gospel hours in churches. I'm telling you, Martin Luther is rolling over in his grave. Um, I put a, I, did you see the, the image I put in our, in our document? Pull up that uh, image in our document. Let me see. People need to see this. That, that's not a caricature. It's not a caricature. This is an actual announcement. I know it looks like a caricature, but it's not. Martin Luther rolling over in his grave. For those of you who cannot see, it is a, a Lutheran church. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a, uh, a flyer. It says a drag show at church. Yes. Queen Thursday, May 12th, seven o'clock in the gym, Trinity Lutheran church, 421 North main street, Greenville, South Carolina free. All are welcome. So they were going to have a drag drag queen gospel hour this is what they were promoted as fortunately there was enough outcry that it got canceled but they were going to pull it back up what do you get yeah so i'm i'm pulling something up because i i i don't remember if i if we showed it on the show but there was a clip i had a few uh a couple of weeks ago where a I, I might guess and this might be uh profiling i don't care um my guess is that it was an episcopalian church um this one, yes. This did we watch this? Oh, we did not watch that, but that that's a good point. It is coming for your churches for people who are supposed to promote the correct values. But yeah, go oh, ahead. He's about to bastardize scripture. Oh yeah. By the way, using that word in that way is not a not a curse word. Y'all need to go look that up. <laughs> I can't hear you. Can you fix that? Because yeah, can I you not hear it at all? I cannot hear it at all. No, which means oh, okay. they can't hear it at all. Oh, okay, he uh, he is talking to this uh, tranny, and um, yeah, it's it's right here. Uh, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's using Romans two twelve is one of my fa- Romans twelve yeah. two is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He's, prom- he's using that to promote drag theory. It's, it's um, nonsense. Uh, and I, I said that I would point to Luke 17 too as a counter argument, uh, but they aren't actually concerned with scripture. Uh, Luke 17 yeah, I mean, two th- is, uh, it would be better for anyone who perverts these children to have a millstone tied around his neck. And be drowned in the depths of the sea. And be, um, yep. Yeah, so that is not what Romans 12, 2 is talking about. Go read Romans chapter 1, 28 through the end of the chapter, and it expressly condemns all of that. And so Romans 12, 2 is telling you that those things, this drag queen, this 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 tranny nonsense is of the world, and you are not supposed to be a part of that. You're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's literally the exact opposite of what he is saying. Yeah, I'm sorry the audio couldn't pull up. Um it's that, fine. It, a, it's not worth. It's not worth listening to. Um, it's yeah. But it's a priest in his garb with a microphone talking to two small children with a drag queen at church. So yes, it is infecting churches all over the place because it is the new state religion. That I mean, that it's 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 what people hold to. They have their own evangelists. They have their own doctrines. They have their own penance. They have they have their own sins. They have everything that it takes in order for it to be a religion. 
and it only started with them hanging up the gay flag the gay flags in the embassies it's obviously mm-hmm. moving beyond that and um we have to fight tooth and nail against this at home um because the only way to stop it abroad is to first kill it destroy it at home destroy it. do not patronize businesses actively go against businesses that support this nonsense and, and fight the war this is a battle this is a spiritual war this is infecting the minds of our young people and we have to fight this battle I mean, this is what we have to do now i'm not talking about a physical battle i'm talking about a battle of ideas and we have to show people that those ideas are wrong and these ideas are right the ideas that founded our country are the right ideas no matter what the new religion wants to say yeah it's not a battle of fists but it is a battle of laws yeah get with your people make this illegal yeah. and punish yes. people for promoting this garbage i agree i 100 agree no. Actually, legislate morality because you can legislate morality. Yeah, exactly. That's the moral of the story, kids. Legislate morality, Christian morality. That's right. Theocratic That's right. fascists for the win. Um, <laughs> well, that is uh, more than all of the time that we have for this week. Yeah, we're over, but it's okay. Yeah. It's something come, I really enjoyed talking about. Yeah. Come back next week for uh, the next cheery topic that we have to cover. Uh, until then, uh, we, we love you. We thank you. Uh, do like subscribe, share all that good stuff on the social medias and, uh, please, um, comment and let us know if you have questions. We love, we would love to engage with you. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank.